Hello everyone, welcome to the Arseholics podcast on a Wednesday. I've got Mize and Aaron in with me and it's me, Raj. Hello boys, you alright? Yeah, mate. Doing well, doing well. How are you? Not bad, really hot. It's like really, 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 I was, I'm going to say randomly hot in London today, although it is August, but it is randomly hot because the weather's generally been really crap in London for the last like month, right? Yeah, but now it's that annoying hot where it's, at least in my flat, hot in the evening and it's like too hot and you just had to close close the window because to close the window sirens and whatnot (laughs) just that's what happens when you live on the streets mate (laughs) (laughs) all right mate i can't record my my podcast because of the sounds of police sirens and gunshots (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're, you're actually you're actually living in a really nice area what you've got you've got like you know some gangster movie on TV in the background just to make you sound more street, right? But anyway, um, this isn't about the weather and it's not about pretending to be gangster. We're going to be talking about Arsenal and we're going to be reflecting today on the victory at Selhurst Park on Monday night, which Mize and I were very lucky to be at. And um, we're going to talk about some of the themes that some of the big themes from the game. We're not going to go into a chronological breakdown of what happened in the game because we are two days gone. So most of you have probably seen the highlights a thousand times. Um, but there's still so many things that it feels like people are still talking about on social media with regards to the game, performances, formation, selections, you name it. And then afterwards, we're going to talk a little bit about our upcoming game against Fulham. Maybe also reflect on some on how some of the other teams have, have done. And you know what? Like, as our last few podcasts have gone there's always a breaking news from david ormstein during our podcast so who knows we might have something like that to talk about right right before the podcast david ormstein did tweet that mohammed kudus the guy who arsenal have been linked with uh on and off seems like he's on his way to west ham well they've agreed a fee anyway so um yeah it's still time to gazump so who knows maybe by the end of the podcast guys arsenal would have put in a 110 million pound bid and and maybe he'll become an arsenal who knows? Who knows? But, um, Mize, we were very lucky to be at Selhurst Park, weren't we? You weren't there last year, unfortunately. Um, Aaron and came um, mm-hmm. with me last year. But um, how did you enjoy your trip to South London? <laughs> could, you, could you actually um, see the game, first of all? Because that, that was my main takeaway of all my visits there, is that you can barely see. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is the second time. I think it's the second or maybe third time I've done Selhurst Park. Possibly, I think my second um the first time i went with you raj i'm pretty sure we had a much better view we were a bit lower down uh this is the jacca goal jacca mint mint puma kit mint green puma kit yeah we were low we were low down we were quite low right quite near the front um so this is obviously the first like i said second time i've been um and we were much further back so i guess anyone who hasn't been to palace or hasn't been to palace away um uh, the stand that you're in is um, alongside awful. the touchline. It's awful. Yeah, <laughs> it's awful. Yeah, it's on, alongside the touchline um, towards one side of the goal or sorry, one side of the pitch. Um, and it's just a single stand. So there's no upper tier. And um, I think we were sort of row 42, something like that. And we're probably there's probably like 45, 50 rows in the entire stand. So obviously we're pretty far back. I, I don't think the view was that bad. Um but I guess when you're used to like the Emirates um, and and every every uh, sorry every seat has a good view pretty much like yeah I guess it is a bit of a, a bit of a drop down but like the atmosphere I guess made up for that um, probably both the Palace fans and our away 
our away fans the away end was really good again say that every time i go um non-stop singing but yeah like yeah it was, it was a it was actually quite a I, I was expecting to be like a real ball ache to get there i live in i live in essex i normally would get the train down and that's like three or four trains i think quite a few changes probably takes like an hour and a half but decided to drive this time and it was actually pretty good pretty easy to get there parked half a mile away from the stadium um so yeah um overall like pretty good experience like the view isn't the best as i said but guess it doesn't matter too much when you're not really going for the best view when you're going to like these away you know these old school grounds you're just going for you're going for the the vibes so yeah i could hear that um that new saka song that's been going around getting louder and louder that was that Still was going the lyrics properly but well it's funny because the last line of that i don't think anyone really does and i think that's that's kind <laughs> of the issue that needs to be ironed out which is that like everyone's singing the song and everyone's pretty consistent on the first few lines. And then the last line, I think there's about five different versions that are getting sung at the same time. And looking on social media, it feels like no one can really align on what it should be. Like some people are saying it's something to do with Hayland. Some some people are saying it's to do with Arsenal winning the league. You know, now like the tune's not even popping into my head. But the point is, we probably need as a fan base to align on that last line. Because otherwise mm. it just ends up looking a bit silly. But it's a good song, isn't it? It's good fun. It's a good tune. The, the- yeah, it is a good song. It's, it originated from the England fans, didn't it? I think England England fans came up with it um, recently. Mm. Um, so we've obviously had to adapt the words. I think the the song that I can't wait to start going around the Emirates is the Havertz song. Oh, what yeah, a, yeah, yeah. What yeah. a song that is. Have you heard it? Oh, I didn't hear that. No, you're going to give us an gonna... addition. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was because the Havertz song was doing the rounds on social media after the Nottingham Forest song. Yeah. And it's um and it's yeah. it's to the Shakira song, Aaron. So it's like, you know... Sami Ami, that one. Waka Waka, eh, yeah. eh. 60, million 60 million down the down drain. Guy Hammond scores it score. again. But, uh, it's, right. it's, but basically, <laughs> it's quite a good song. It's quite catchy. But I'm like, he needs, he needs to score he first. Needs to score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but imagine when he scores. And like, if, we, yeah, if everyone yeah, knows yeah, that song yeah, and then he scores, yeah. like, that yeah. will be a, It'll be like the Saliba <laughs> song in some ways. Like, it'll really get everyone in a good mood. So, yeah, that right, yeah. no, is a good song. It was being sung a bit pre game, wasn't it, Raj? Yeah. In the little bar area. But, yeah, didn't really catch on during the game, I don't think. So, yeah. No, indeed, indeed. And um, let's talk about the team selection, right? Because before the game, everyone was sort of ref- was was hypothesizing that the three at the back that we played against Nottingham Forest may change because, one, Timber got, you know, Timber, Timber was injured and he played left in that three. Zinchenko, it was debatable as to whether he was fully fit or not. And we're away from home. So because of all those reasons, I think a lot of people were suggesting that we would go for at the back. I certainly thought we would. So I thought that we would see the return of Gabriel. Um, That didn't happen. We basically played exactly the same formation, exactly the same system in theory, as we did against Nottingham Forest, where the only difference was Timber out and Tomiyasu in as this left-sided player in a three. So that just sprung a surprise first up. Aaron, and what do you think, mate, of... I mean, not not just Tommy Yasu's selection, but just the fact that we went with that formation again. Did it surprise you? And do you have any theories as to why he's doing it? Do you think that's what our formation's going to be generally going forward? What do you think? I think it did surprise me. I thought we would go back to a four, but mainly because I thought Zinchenko would play if he was fit. Um and he was only you know, fit enough for the bench. 
Um, and we'll talk about Fulham, but I think Zinchenko will probably play on on Saturday. So I think then we'll probably go back to a four. But I think if you just say, okay, fine, this is, uh, you know, Zinchenko is not there, then you want someone kind of inverting and playing kind of that right back midfield role because the left back can't do it, then, you know, Partey is a logical option there. And then it, it kind of then you can't really pick Gabriel in that in that system, right? Unless you want to make Gabriel play kind of left back, which he might be able to do. But when you've got Tomiyasu there, who can do a decent job as a left back, he's played there. I think he played there against Liverpool um, at home. He's a he's a good left sided player. There's no reason to play Gabriel in that position. It, it kind of just everyone picks itself. And yeah, you know, the more I think about it, I, I was tweeting and said, yeah, the reason we're kind of playing this system now is basically because we want to play Havertz, Rice, Partey and Odegaard in the midfield, right? Because actually what you could do is play a back four, pick one of Rice, Havertz, pick two of Rice, Havertz and Partey and, you know, play one of them as an eight, play Partey deep or play Declan Rice as a, a six and play Havertz as an eight. And then you can just play a back four. So actually what, you know, really what's happened is Gabriel's kind of been sacrificed so we can play Partey, Rice and Havertz together. Um, so, you know, I think that's the calculation, right? The calculation is, would you rather have Gabriel on the pitch or would you rather have an extra midfielder on the pitch? And So do you, think, so, so do you think that decision's been made and he, this is like, this is how I want to play going forward. So, and I want to facilitate those three. So, this is what I'm going to do. I think it will vary. I think what Arteta is probably trying to do is make us less predictable. Um, because, you know, we've said this so many times last season, you can easily pick our first 11. If they're fit, they play. Everyone knows what it's going to be. And I think this just gives it a bit. Yeah, it makes us a little less predictable. It makes our opposition have to think, oh, what's going to happen? Um, who's going to be doing what? And especially when Zinchenko is fit, for example, um, you kind of then retain the option of saying, actually, the left-sided, the left-sided defender is going to invert or the right-sided defender is going to invert. And it makes it very hard to set up your team. Um, you know, what, you know, a lot of people kind of worried about, worry about Gabriel for various reasons. I'm not, mainly because, I don't think we, you know, he played in the community shield. I think we didn't try this setup at all during preseason. It's not something that we've been preparing for from day one. This is very much, I think, a reactive setup to the fact that Zinchenko hasn't really been available. Timber's been available. And Partey, you know, towards the end of last season, he played, I think he played in the final game of last season, he played right back as well, right? Um, and I think Arteta just wants to try something new and, when you've got Forrest at home and Palace away, he probably just wants to say, like, look, I've got some quality options in midfield. Let's play them. And unfortunately, that means Gabriel, you know, defender who is ever present all of last season um, and who Arteta always, always picked, um, just can't play because, you know, you're not going to drop Saliba. Right? I think it's either him or Saliba in that system and you're not going to drop Saliba because right now he's, uh, you know, even the two games alone, he's been in unbelievable form. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, Mice, do you do you buy into any of the speculation that 
any of these decisions have been down to Gabriel maybe looking to leave Arsenal or Arsenal entertaining a, a departure? Uh, I hope not. I hope that even if it's silly money, let's call it silly money, comes in for him uh, or already has, you know, I hope that we're not looking to entertain it because um, well, so many reasons really, but obviously timing wise, it would just be awful. I know that every player has their price and Raj, I know you've been kind of quite vocal about, um, I think this is going back a while. I remember you saying, you thought Gabriel might be the first kind of big, big money sale from this group of players and this kind of like, you know, the successful group that we've had um, under Arteta. Um, but even so, yeah, like I say, right now with what, a week to go to the transfer window closing, well, maybe just over a week, it would just be awful timing. Even if it was, let's just say a hundred million, which I know it wouldn't be, but even if it was that kind of, that kind of money, what we, what can we do with a hundred million in, in the space of a week? Um, it just, yeah, it w- it would be baffling uh it would be baffling to think that it is baffling to think that he's potentially available available for sale so i personally can't see it then you add to that the timber injury as well we're one man down in that in in the defensive area or you know in defensive positions i just can't see it i mean there's so many theories going around right like especially on, on twitter there's like who knows who knows what to believe in some ways but it maybe maybe there's a chance that you know he's he's been tapped up by Saudi and they've put I don't know a ridiculous contract in front of him and he's maybe looked at it and said oh, I'd be interesting you know I'd be interested in exploring that or I'd be I'd be open to it and you can't blame him you can't blame any player for for feeling like that if that's the case um, and maybe Artesta just looked at it and said like well not looked at it but maybe he's essentially dropped him as a result. Um, I don't think that's the case though. Like when he's come on in both the like in the last couple of games, especially against Palace, like we needed him against Palace in that last period of the game, and he came on as soon as um, Tommy Asu got sent off, pretty much. And you know he was key along with a few of the other subs and other defensive players. He was key um, to us getting the win and 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 holding on to the one nil. And it didn't really look like you know it didn't look like he was distracted. It didn't look like. Um, he wasn't fully committed, so. Oh, I thought quite the opposite. He was actually like super pumped up. I don't know if you saw. There was a few instances where, um, like Ramsdale made a save and he just went mental. Like I've never seen him so as hyped up as I as I had done in a in a long time in that Palace game. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. Sorry to probably run, the, but it's, it's, like, no, he was... it's probably the things that we we probably struggled to to see yeah, some of that stuff from where we probably, were yeah. to be honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, it was very, very noticeable how pumped up and how, like, he, there was a moment, I can't remember who it was, when someone shot over the bar. And he just, yeah, he just went mental. Like, I thought, first of all, he was having a go at Ramsdale or something. But no, he was just celebrating. Um, So, yeah, I think you're right. Like, he definitely does not look like a player who wants out, nor does he, yeah, I don't think the manager brings him on in that way. If it's someone like he's a first, he was a first sub, right? You just you're an issue. I think even against Forest, I think we brought him on pretty early on. Yeah. So we, yeah, he's definitely a player that I don't think is going anywhere. Hope not. I hope not. And it is, there's a funny irony about it as well, isn't there? Because he was ever present at Arsenal last season in a season where we were magnificent. And he didn't get called up to the Brazil squad. And then he finally gets called up to the Brazil squad. 
and he's not playing in the Arsenal team. There's like a there's a very random random narrative there. But um, I I personally, and what I really hope, and what I think could be the case, is Arteta's had very frank conversations with a lot of this squad and said, "We've now got a squad that gives us versatility. I want to make us unpredictable. There's lots of things that I want to do, and I and I want to give people breaks." And those breaks might not happen when you want them to happen. And they might not happen, you know, when I necessarily plan them to happen, but I want them to happen. And I hope that that's the case with Gabriel, because another sort of theory I have on this, it's not a fully formed theory, but I, Arte has always said in, you know, in preseason, he's always talked about how he wanted to build relationships. Like he wanted the players to develop relationships. That was really important to him. And he also talked about when he signs players, he doesn't sign them for positions. He signs them for qualities. He talks about those two things. Um, and in my mind, therefore, I sort of imagine that he thinks, well, I've got players who've got all these different qualities. And if I de- develop relationships with them on the pitch, I can do lots of different things with them. I don't have to play specific formations that, you know, every every time I can change things up because I've got the relationships and I've got the qualities and all that kind of jazz. And I wonder whether he is still experimenting in a way that he thinks that if he plays some of the bigger teams this season, whether it be Champions League, whether it be kind of Man City in the Premier League, whatever, having a system like we have right now where, and we can get into it a little bit more, but some of the things that Havertz gives you in this fairly unorthodox extra sort of man role makes it really, really difficult, I think, for opponents in many ways to plan, to actually kind of, to to, to effectively transition against us, for example. And so I actually think that if you put a gun to Arteta's head before the Forest game or before the Palace game, and said to him, I need you to win this game. And this is the only game I, I care about. Otherwise, you know, if you don't win this game, I shoot you in the head. I think he'd play a different formation in a different system. I think if he, if he, if, it, if all he had to do was beat Forrest at home last week, he'd go to the formation that we played last season. Similarly against Palace away, I think he would have gone four at the back. I think he's doing these things because he's thinking, these are things that I think I might need to rely on later on in the season against tougher opposition. I back myself, I back this team to be able to get the result anyway. It's not ideally what I do to get the W, but I think I need to do it. And there's the added incentive of being unpredictable as well. Those are my thoughts on this. So I don't read, uh, right now I'm not in a position where I'm reading too much into the idea that there's any concerns over Gabriel or he's going to leave or this is going to be the formation that we're going to play all season. I really wouldn't be surprised if, if against Fulham we go back to four at the back with Zinchenko back now and Gabriel, et cetera. And he just knows, you know, Arteta knows if I need to, when I need to kind of go to this formation, if the game kind of goes in a certain way, then I can do that. It'd be interesting to see if he does it against United when we play United um, after him as well. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. The, do you, do the simple thing there is, Raj, is you also then prepare for injuries, right? Like what if Zinchenko yeah. gets injured, right? Uh, yeah, with Zinchenko, you play one way, but then without Zinchenko, we just need to prepare for a plan B. And we we suffered a lot, especially towards the end of last season, not really having a good plan B when personnel were injured. Um, and, you know, the the good thing here is that actually, look, if, if Saliba is out, God forbid, for a while, you could probably still play that same system, but with Gabriel there and, you, and Zinchenko like out. If Zinchenko and Saliba are out, you can probably adapt this by kind of putting Gabriel where Saliba is uh, and then playing Tomiyasu and Partey 
either side of him if you really wanted to, right? There's there's options there for a bit more flexibility. Um, so you're, you're right. You're right. I think we wouldn't, if we absolutely had to win, we probably wouldn't. But this, like, this is the time of the season where you can just be a bit more flexible with options, where you kind of have to try these things because you don't want to be trying them in, in April when yeah. when uh, a title is on the line, for example. Yeah, totally agree. Quick shout out to DWTT in the comments. Um, it's been a while, mate. I haven't uh, seen you on a while, for a while on the show, so I hope you're well. Um, Mize, I want to start talking about a couple of the individual performances. I mean, as ever, I find myself wanting to talk about pretty much everyone, but let's pick a few. I want to ask, have you got any concerns with the fact that Eddie missed two decent chances in the first half i should caveat that by saying great work to be in the positions to 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 have that have those chances if you like um you know very impressive in many ways i think first the first chance he had where he hit the post incredible strength i think he showed um and physicality to get past gooey and 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 open his body up but but are you concerned in any way with the fact that he he missed those two in the first half and ultimately didn't score uh, well, first of all, I love your pronunciation of uh, Mark Quahey's name, Gooey. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> that was fantastic. It took me a minute to work out. Like, who's in uh, trouble? Sorry. <laughs> sorry, That's Mark fine. Quahey. It's good. It's good. Uh, that did make me laugh. Um, yeah, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Oh, God. Um, so I think, look, being at the game, I think there was a lot that he did that, I don't know about you, Raj, I didn't really appreciate and i guess what i mean by that is um off the ball runs which he he does like he's he's very good at that um in general i guess just his work rate off the ball like maybe because of the nerves of that second half and the fact that it was nil nil and it was a bit there was like quite a lot of tension in the game and i guess in the away end as well maybe i didn't fully appreciate some of the good stuff that he was doing and it was only you know, post-match the next day, whatever, watching the highlights, reading some of the reaction and stuff. Uh, apparently, you know, he did overall have a good game and it was really just the chances that he missed that was the only thing that was missing from his game um, or missing from that performance. Um, the, I think this is the thing with Eddie, right? Like he is, he is what you'd call a good finisher. He's not an elite finisher, in my opinion. I think he does miss chances, a bit like Jesus does as well, to be honest. Um, I think he's quite unlucky on the first one because it's kind of all his good work to get himself into the position. He shows really good strength. I think he's back to goal initially, gets kind of into a good position, holds off uh, Gwehi, um, and he manages get to get the shot away. And to be honest, it was one of those, it was a shot where he, he, does, he does really well to get the shot right into the corner, obviously too far, and he hits the post. But I didn't think he was going to score from that position, basically. Um, the second one, I mean, that happens, but I don't know. Like, is it has he chosen to go with a with a little dink or a little chip because the first one he's tried to place in the corner, and so he's probably maybe thinking I'll try something different this time. Maybe his confidence is knocked a little bit from the first chance that he's missed. I don't know, but obviously, whatever he tried just wasn't the right option, and he completely gets it wrong. And like I said, it happens, but in those kinds of games, you only get. Like especially as a striker, you only get like a couple of those. They're very, very good chances. Like I said, the first one he does kind of manufacture for himself, but they're you know you only get two two chances that were very, very high quality. So a little bit frustrating. Um, but you could argue, like I say, if Hazus is fit and he plays that game, he probably 
is in the similar position. Well, maybe not, but you could argue he's maybe not because he plays all over the pitch. But if he's in the same position for those chances, he may also miss them. You, you don't know. So we don't really have that Harland Kane type of striker in our in our squad. The the penalty um, and his, his what he does for the penalties is is brilliant. Is brilliant because it's you know I mean I guess this is what helps right the fact that we've had a pretty consistent kind of group of players for the last couple of years we've had the same manager and that familiarity you know what these guys practice on the training ground it was obviously a, a, a move that they've you know planned for practiced something something off the training ground and party blocking off the defender um eddie making the run when no one's kind of expecting it and i think it was erdegaard who played the free kick and and, and plays it in you know that kind of thing is fantastic and you know like, obviously, that's what we, that's how we win the game. You know, that's how we get the penalty, and that's how we win the game. So, props to him for that. Um, so, overall, like, I, I mean, pretty happy with with the performance. I think, I, I think it's kind of like the level that personally I kind of expect from Eddie now. Um, but like, put it like this: I think once Jesus is back, and even arguably, like, if Trossard. You know, for for this game, for for the game we've got coming up, or in future games coming up, like you could argue, basically, I would say. Hazus definitely comes back in ahead of him once he's fit and potentially like Trossard is maybe a better option for certain games as well. So um, yeah, like, I don't know, like I think it was an overall decent performance, but I think, I think he needs to take one of those two chances really, especially the second one. Um, yeah. So a, a little bit disappointed. It is, isn't it, Aaron, because if he, if he didn't, if he didn't win that penalty and ultimately if we go on to draw the game or, or lose, we probably reflect on that very differently, don't we? We reflect on those two missed chances very, very, very differently. Uh, you know, Mize, Mize mentioned Harland Kane, and obviously, it's very, it's probably silly to compare any any average your average striker to, to players like Kane and Harland. However, like that Burnley game, you know, the first game of the season when Man City were away to Burnley, I mean, it was just a, an example of when you have a clinical striker how impressive it can be right where you have Haaland who basically doesn't do anything apart from take take two touches and score two goals in that first half um is that do you think it's something that could cost us Aaron like, like going forward I don't I don't think so and I, I hope not but look would I would I like a, a clinical finisher in the team absolutely right like we've lacked for so long someone who can turn a a half chance into a goal just out of nowhere, right? We like Saka has that ability in him to almost, you know, nothing's on and then he'll just do something special. Or, and actually, I don't actually think Eddie is that bad. He's got a decent finish on him. It's probably the better finisher between him and Jesus, right? But Jesus just offers you so much more. Um, Look, I just think yesterday he was okay. I actually kind of think, you know, watching the highlights back no one really going forward was that good i think saka was okay odegaard was pretty off it uh, Havertz was pretty off it in terms of end product like martinelli you know was in and out of the game um i'm but you know i think my worry with eddie is kind of we saw him in this period last season where he came into the team did really well and then kind of struggled to make impact and then was eventually replaced by Trossard. Um, and 
I do, you know, don't, you do kind of wonder, like, why is it that Trossard isn't starting or getting getting a look in up front when, you know, he did pretty well, I thought, last season. Um, but, you know, Arteta's spoken about it a few times, and I think it's this, I think Eddie just trains really, really well. He said it so many times that Eddie just makes it hard to not play him because his attitude is right, his motivation is right, he must train really well. Um, and look, he took his goal well uh in the home game against Forest and I think I think the manager just kind of said look I'm just going to keep rolling with this until I've got a reason not to um I don't think that performance from Eddie was enough to say like okay we need, we need to try something else I'd still probably play him at Fulham um but yeah it's I I'm, I'm also just a massive I like I think my my overall conclusion on Eddie is like he is a a good ish striker and that's okay but with a good ish striker you'll get moments no he's not Haaland he's not Kane he's yeah. probably a little while away from that and we just got to kind of accept that and hope that his overall game kind of just means that the other players can support him and chip in with goals and then we get Jesus back but again I've said this I think I said a, few, a, few, a little while ago I think next summer is a summer that we go big on a striker um, because I think that is, you know, if we can add a like an Ossiman to this team, my God, um, like that, then it really will be something ridiculous, right? Um, but I, I think we're just going to have to run with Jesus, Eddie, Trossard. Maybe we'll do something in the window between now and and September, but realistically, like it'll probably be a a goal scoring yeah. right sided player rather than actually getting an out all and out out and out striker. Agree, agree. Um, DWTT in the comments talking about Trossard again, clearly very much advocating Trossard being part of the team. Um, you know, it sounds like DWTT is campaigning for him to even be in that 10 role potentially. But so and I, I don't think we've got enough time today to get into Trossard much, but we, we perhaps should, and maybe, maybe we hopefully will after Fulham if he gets, um, gets to play some minutes. Let's talk about Declan Rice though. Declan Rice... He got man of the match, I think. I think he was officially man of the match. He was basically first for various stats in terms of kind of distance covered, and or, or actually, I think Havertz won distance covered, but various other, you know, kind of aspects of the game, interceptions, etc. It's often a different perspective, I think, when you're in the stadium versus on TV. But I think that we can all agree he had an incredible game and was just, uh, you know, fantastic from when we had 11 men, even through when we had 10 men, he was brilliant. My, what did you think of his performance? Do you think that he, we saw signs of what a hundred million plus gets you? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I mean, like I, you kind of already, I've already fallen in love with Declan Rice. Um, I think you fell in love with him a long time ago, right? You were like the Declan Rice advocate for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I, I kind of a couple of years ago, I never thought he was a player that we could even dream of buying. Um, this is probably when he was around the 50, 60 million pound mark. So, yeah, even exactly. Um, extremely, extremely happy that we were able to to get him. And he was the guy that Arteta identified. I mean, look, he's, he's come into the team. Um, you couldn't ask for someone to settle in any quicker than what he has. And you couldn't really ask for someone to um, 
maybe not necessarily fit the system as such yet because obviously and he keeps saying it you know i'm learning i'm learning more and more every single time i kind of step out of the training ground i'm i'm learning literally by the day by the week but two games in or three games in if you include the community shield like it, you wouldn't think he's a new signing you wouldn't think he's someone that's just come in this summer um and yeah like i mate i absolutely love him i think he's i, I just feel like he's going to go on to become like a comp- you know like how we look at Lampard and Gerrard maybe even Vieira in, in in that category of like complete midfielders they can basically do everything um and they can play different positions you know they can score goals i feel like he poten- he has the potential um and he has the ceiling or the ceiling you know there's the very very high ceiling where he could go on to become one of those players for us i think he's got the right he's got everything around him um to go on to become an elite premier league midfielder um yeah and i mean he's just he's just fantastic to watch like obviously it helps that he's english and he's you know he's kind of all all over the pitch he's putting in tackles um but he's just got that he's just got that kind of like he just smells danger he smells danger in the middle of the park and he always seems to get himself back or get himself into the right position or make a kind of recovery run and a recovery tackle um and and like I think that's obviously that's why we've gone and spent so much money on. It's one of the reasons why we've gone and spent this kind of money on him. But yeah, he's, he's, he was fantastic. And I think obviously that last 20, 30 minutes, whatever it was, when we absolutely, you know, we needed, we needed, um, we needed not just grit and determination. You know, it wasn't like that last twenty minutes was, um, like last ditch type of defending where we were like Ramsdale was making loads of saves and we were blocking loads of shots. But just his presence physicality in the middle of the pitch and and defensively um you could see like how valuable that is now along with quite a few other players actually showed that as well um yeah and i think the more and more that obviously he's going to play every game um the more and more that he plays with this team and probably maybe eventually like i don't know there might be some games where party does actually play as a holding midfielder and and um rice gets a chance to play a bit further forward um you know, I think then we're going to see like another kind of facet to to his game, and we're going to see like another level, basically. Um, and I'm really keen to see what he can do on the attacking side as well, because I think he's got it in him. I think he's got the distrib- like he's, he's able to distribute the ball. He's obviously like he's just fantastic with his feet in terms of like passing range. Um, so I think he's got that in him. So yeah, man, like, I'm just looking forward to seeing what what he does. But yeah, he was he was he was unreal. Um, he was unreal the other night. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of people who say he's not even fully fit at the moment. I'm not sure where that's come from. But I mean, if that is true, you know, that that again, it's even more compelling about what he could be. There was a period of the game where we were, you know, th- th- there were two bits of the game, which were sort of my favorite bits of the game. And one of the bits of the game, one, one of those bits did involve him quite a lot, which was that period when we were 10, when we had 10 men. By this time, I think, you know, we'd brought on like various defenders on. But there was that period where, Jorginho, Rice, Zinchenko and Havertz were just playing pinball, you know, passing around Palace players for fun, where it looked like we had two extra men. And the fact that two of those players were players that have come in this summer, one of those players was a player who came in in January I was really impressed with just the amount of understanding and just I suppose technical quality they were able to decipher and and you know rice is is just you know t- to that a 
fantastically technical gifted player probably i didn't realize he was that technically gifted uh, beforehand Aaron, can i talk to you about one of the other guys that i just mentioned there kai Havertz continues to divide opinion he's divided opinion within the nottingham forest game itself even just analyzing that game and he's dividing opinion about this game against crystal palace there are many people who are sort of suggesting well yeah, all, it's all good that we won, but what what did he what did he do? Did he offer anything? How many shots did he take? You know, what what, what did he what did, what do we get with Kai Havertz basically? But there are other people who, who look at it slightly differently. I have my opinion. What's yours? Yeah, I think Havertz is an interesting one. I think he's he's been okay, right? And that is fine. And I think you can like excuse okay for now right he's coming in playing a a new position what is probably quite a complicated position where he basically has to sometimes go out wide kind of out wide and left sometimes go up front sometimes play the number eight and do a lot of things depending on what the players around him are doing and in a system which is you know unfamiliar to him with players who he's not really played with before and he's been okay like he wasn't terrible um but i think you know for 60 million pounds you can't just be okay for much longer right you need to start being good and the the comparison here right is that you look at declan rice he's come in you're like okay this is why we bought him uh timber came in you're like this is why we bought him pretty much every trossard came in you're like okay i can see why we bought him um, I haven't got that with Havertz yet. Um, I've not really been able to figure out like this is why we bought him. Like what he's doing now, he's kind of basically doing what Xhaka used to do, which is kind of just keep things ticking along, uh, run around like decent defensive performance. We have the ability to go long to him, which you know we couldn't do with Xhaka, but he's still working on that aspect of the game. I don't think we've fully really been able to utilize his height yet. Um, and that's okay. Like he had a few nice moments, but yeah, I would like to see him just show, like show himself, like show what he's about in a game. And I don't think we've seen that yet. Um, I'm hoping it will come because like you said, Arteta's no mug and he has a lot to do, but I think, I don't think if this is the level of performance that we're going to get from him, I don't think that's good enough. Right. I think that's, this, this... that's like, that's, I think that's pretty clear. Like you'd expect more. I think he's he's got more. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah. I'm I'm just kind of waiting and and seeing, to be honest. So I think I was going to say, Raj. I know you're probably you're about to say something. Um, yeah. But and I, I'm very keen to hear your thoughts on that, Raj, because I know you mentioned something really interesting during the game. Was it during the game or after the game? I can't remember. But about a specific a lot about- of things. No, it was, it was really interesting. It was a really interesting observation. But I think I, there's elements of what you just said, Aaron, and that I do agree with, but there's a lot that I feel is a, maybe not harsh, but maybe more um, like he, I, I'll let Raj say what, what he was going to say, what, what he was. I'm sure he was going to go like, on You're, you're say. building up. You're building up. Because uh, uh, I, I know, I know cause we talked about it after the game. But I, I think the one thing, I, well, just to put my point on, on Havertz, I think he's cut like, that I, I cut him a little bit of slack because, yes, it was a lot of money, uh, and the like. I think he's divided the fan base even basically when he signed before he even kicked a ball for us. 
And I think that hasn't helped. And I think his price tag hasn't helped. But I would say that he's come in probably as low on confidence as you could come in to a to a new club, to a new team. And that's not making an excuse. I think that's just that is what it is. And I think he's now trying to he's now trying to fit into a into a system and fit into a role that is obviously kind of new to him, I guess. Um, considering how he was played at Chelsea um in his last season, basically through the middle up front. Um and I think yeah. So so I feel like I, I feel like I'm willing to cut him a fair amount of slack. I think it hasn't helped that, you know, he's not like none of the attacking players have really clicked this season yet. Really? Like I know Sam yeah, scored yeah, an amazing goal the other day. Um, and I think, but it's, but I think it's quite, we know what we're to expect from Saka. We know what to expect from Erdegaard Martinelli, right? Even Hazus, if he was fit and playing. So you kind of like think, okay, that's going to, it's going to come from them at some point in the season and they're going to hit their 10, 15, 20 goals, whatever. With him, there's obviously question marks over all of that. But I have, I mean, look, I think, and I think also it's very, very hard to question. It's not that we shouldn't question Arteta and we shouldn't question the players that we're buying and the performances, but it, but specifically on a new player that's played two or three games for us in a new kind of system, new teammates, whatever you want to call it, I find it quite hard to to sort of question the decision to start him every game. And if we, even if we start him for the next kind of 10 games and he doesn't necessarily get lots of goals, lots of assists, whatever, like the stats don't really show that he's contributing. Um, I think the fact that you could ask, you could ask, you could say the same about quite a few other players that we've brought in, or systems that we've played, or the way that we've tried to do things. It's kind of worked out in general. Like things have things have worked out, and we've sort of had to. It's taken a few games before we've seen what the plan is, or what the plan is for this specific player. So I just think I feel like the scrutiny on Havertz specifically is like massive. Not just us, not just between, not just inside our fan base, but just everyone. Everyone is looking at Havertz and waiting for him to flop because he cost us sixty five million quid. So. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, Raj, I'll hand over to you because you've got something massive, like massive, like. I think I remember what I was talking to you about. That's not what I was just going to open with oh, now. Just, just relate to what what you're saying. I I I feel like, generally speaking, right? We as football fans have a real frustration when we see things play out on the pitch that we don't quite either agree should should be the plan, or 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 you know, I guess what I mean is we don't actually have a clue what the instructions that these players have are right in all the various positions that we see them on the pitch in all the various four you know phases of play we don't know what arteta's instructions are so sometimes and i think there are some positions where it can be a little bit more obvious like center forward striker is a little bit more you know striker goalkeeper (laughs) you know some really obvious um extremities but in a role like Havertz has in this system, I find it really difficult to understand actually what Arteta has told him to do, which is why I probably cut him more, you know, even more slack. Because it's a bit different, for example, if he was playing you know, in the box and you see the balls are bouncing off him and he can't control it and he's he's missing loads of chances, that's different. If he's misplacing passes in the centre midfield, that's different. That's obviously not what he's being told to do. But when I'm watching, you know, when I'm watching Havertz live and, and and watching him particularly, you know, against Palace quite closely, I I was honestly amazed at how good he was off the ball. I, I was genuinely taken aback by how astute he was, and I don't necessarily mean that with the pressing, but there were so many times I was watching where he would make 
a move, even five yards, a five yard movement, someone would follow him and there'd be suddenly this gap where Rice would go into or, or Odegaard would go into. And it would happen over and over again. And even that little sequence that I mentioned before, you know, when we're tapping the ball around and Zinchenko and uh, Jorginho and whatever, when we're down to 10 men, in that sequence, he probably touches the ball the fewest amount of times. But if you if you watch that sequence, how many times he's making these little movements where there is another player, that where the Palace player that is going with him and then suddenly someone else is able to move into that space was remarkable. So I wonder, honestly, whether one of the biggest reasons Arteta has signed him is gone, he's super intelligent off the ball and he's able to bring the best out of all these people around him. He's exactly what I need. And like, and there's some of the other stuff that you were saying, Aaron, in which you know I totally agree with as well, which is that out ball, that aerial out ball that he gives us. Because we did that a lot when we had 10 men. We were able to actually ping it up to him and actually he was able to hold it down and keep him. So that's, that's, that's another thing. I do wonder if you know he might play different roles. That's fine. He might do different things. But my suspicion was that he did on Monday night exactly what Arteta wanted him to do. That's how that that's my feeling. The stats seem to back that up in terms of he ran more than any other player. So the distance covered was the highest, like 12 and a half kilometers or whatever the more, even more than Declan Rice. He's got he won the most amount of duels against Palace, but also against Forest, both those games. So you know, in the things it feels like he's being asked to do, I think he's doing them well. Yeah, fine. Look, let's see how the season pans out. But honestly, like I've come away feeling incredibly, incredibly impressed. What, one thing I just want to add before, you know, perhaps give your thoughts. And I know like there's a lot of people who turn around and go, well, you know, you can't pay, pay that much money for an arguably an attacking player to just be that kind of off the ball just because of their like off the ball stuff. Um, but I don't know if either of you read or if anyone listening to this read the article in The Athletic today about Caicedo and Lavia and Liverpool and Chelsea's sort of battle for them. They did a really good article about it. Aaron, you're nodding. Did you read that by any chance? No, no, I was just laughing because you okay. said Caicedo. <laughs> I, I sorry, 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 sorry. It was really, it's really interesting, right? Because the, the whole crux of the article is like, you know, how Chelsea and Liverpool battled it out for those players. And it, it kind of got to the point where um, they talked about how they just secured Caicedo and then, you know, um, when they were kind of going for, Chelsea were going for Lavia. And they sort of made the point that Chelsea had identified them both. They wanted them both. Like it wasn't, it wasn't kind of just, uh, oh, they're, you know, they're both talented players. Let's might as well just get them. They wanted them both for very specific reasons. They saw Caicedo as someone who could add all of the off the ball qualities that they needed and they saw Lavia as someone who could do all the on-the-ball things that they needed to do. But they specifically identified Caicedo for his off-the-ball stuff. It's mad when you think about the fact that you would pay, and both Liverpool and Chelsea were willing to pay this money, right? 115, 120 million quid for a player where you're saying that their biggest strengths are the things they do without the ball. Like, that's mad. But that's just football now. And I feel like we've progressed to this point where coaches, when they're playing at that elite level, recognize the importance and the value of players who are, in, who are incredibly intelligent, astute, off the ball, and place a massive premium on it. So, yeah, you know, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with the role that he's playing. Um, yes, you know, maybe he'll do more things. But anyway, I'll, I'll pause there if there's anything anyone else wants to yeah, I think add on habits. I, I agree. I think defensively, he has been pretty good. I think that role, though, it just has so much potential. We saw it 
you know, the biggest frustration we had with Xhaka was like, okay, he's uh, he's number eight, and he's kind of pretty good defensively. But going forward, this is like there's so much potential here, right? Mm. And it just feels like Habits was brought in because he's not he's not some inexperienced like young player that we've picked up from a lower league team or like the bottom half of the Premier League or Europe. You know, we, yeah, we've got him from Chelsea for 60 million quid. He's played in the Champions League final and scored and won the Champions League. So this is a, a guy who's expected to come in and and like be a very core part of this team for the next six, seven years, right? Um, and I I just think we need more. The, I think that the one thing I would say that kind of mitigated probably how effective he could be was I don't think, I think generally going forward, we were a bit of a mess uh, on Monday, like structurally, no one really was firing. I think playing alongside Eddie is probably a lot harder for him to be impactful than playing alongside someone like Gabriel Jesus, because there's a lot more natural interchange, right? Where like you can say Gabriel Jesus would just go out wide and, I don't know, like drop deeper and then Havertz would go up front or they'd go to two up front. Whereas I think Eddie's just a bit more chaotic in the box and you don't really know where he's going to be. Sometimes it'll be far post, sometimes it'll be near post. Like that's Eddie's game, right? To be like a chaotic player in the box. Whereas Havertz is like much more tactical, like you said, and put him alongside Jesus. Like they're quite tactical, technical players who will just figure out each other's spaces much more naturally. Um, And then also... He, you know, that left side, Martinelli wasn't great, but also Tommy Asu, he was playing alongside Tommy Asu on that side, is probably not going to, like, his his on-the-ball uh, work and his effectiveness just wasn't great. Like, put Zinchenko alongside him uh, on that left side, who's just going to be firing balls so much quicker into habits, where he has a bit more space to turn and lay it off to Martinelli, who has a bit more space, I think. And then you throw Jesus in there, and I think, the idea is they all complement each other much more naturally. And mm-hmm. I really want to see Havertz in that kind of first strongest 11, especially on that left side, where, you know, the right side, we've, we've kind of nailed that, right? We've got Odegaard, Saka, Ben White, and, you know, that that works in terms of that yeah. balance. Um, and we haven't really been able to nail the balance on that left side yet. So, that's where I'm looking to see him improve. I just think, yeah, he just needs to look. It's two games in. He's been okay. I think that's fine. Um, yeah. I'm not complaining, but I think I was just kind of discussing like if this is what he's going to give us consistently, that's probably not good enough. But I'm yeah pretty confident that he'll step up. Look, m- m- many Arsenal, many many Arsenal fans probably agree with your sentiment in totality. To be honest, I mean, even in the comments here, Gary and Russa are you know are making those points around the fact that ultimately at some point we're going to need some goals and assists. You know, as long as the team's winning at the moment, I guess it's all fine. And you know, it's like our comment about Eddie, right? It's like when you're winning, you reflect on things very differently. So, look. Let, let's hope this team continues evolving. We start seeing some, you know, we continue seeing really interesting things. Before I move on to follow, f- onto the Fulham game, uh, can we very briefly talk about the red card? Not necessarily to, um, you know, we don't, I was going to say, not necessarily to, to complain about it too much. But at the same time, it is a very interesting red card that Tomiyasu gets. Two yellows in very quick succession. The first yellow for time-wasting, I believe, I, I 
I'm sure I, I really want this stat to be true because I'm going to call it out. I understand there's been 14 yellow cards over the over the two game weeks given for time wasting. If so, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, so you know, on that basis, you'd sort of feel all right. They're getting stricter, and apparently, you know, when you when you look at everything that led up to the Tommy Asu yellow first yellow card, there was a, a bit of you know what could be construed as time wasting from the goal kick. So this was perhaps you know him taking one for the team, if you like, and you know whatever. I, I kind of get that. But that second yellow, the more and more I watch it, the more and more I think it's an absolute disgrace. Yeah. Yeah. For so many reasons. But, you know, because one, you could argue that, you know what, if it's a minor pull or a big pull, it shouldn't make a difference because if the if he's impeding the player, like whatever. But the more and more I look at it, the reason why it's baffling is we have so many defenders back. So so he's not it's not like all of a sudden, whoever I can't even remember who he pulls back. Is it IU? I can't remember. But if it's if it's IU, let's just say if it was for argument's sake, he's not going through on goal. He's not got a run. Yeah, I use nowhere. First, he's nowhere near the goal. He's, mu- he's miles away. And there's loads of plays back. In fact, there's an argument to say Saliba comes in immediately and tackles him anyway. Like, there's not for him to get. That's, that's not why he's given it, though, is it? As in, okay. so on the first one, because yeah. the time wasting thing, just I know you kind of want to skip past it, and that's fair enough. But no, no, no. no even, I mean, look, even that feels ridiculous to me in the sense that we're only, only one nil up. There's 20, 25 minutes ago plus injury time. I don't think, and, and we're I'm not being funny, this is not Palace 1 0 up at the Emirates or at the Etihad or, you know, whatever. This is, you know, Arsenal. This is Arsenal. We're, I'm 99, if not 100% confident, Arsenal, after scoring that first, uh, yeah, after scoring the first goal just into the second half starting, we're going to go for the second goal and try and finish the game. We're not sitting on a 1 0 with 11 men on the pitch with 20 25 minutes to go like so i don't even think yeah of course we may be just trying to slow the game down a little bit maybe it's just more of a tactical like you know yeah like um yeah just just slow the game down a little bit slow the tempo down so therefore we've taken our time over the throw in but the number of times and like the number of times last season and it's going to happen again this season that you know teams have we've been drawing at the emirates or we've been losing at the Emirates, and teams start time-wasting from so, so, so early on. The referee does nothing about it, and then the crowd are complaining the entire game, and it gets like the 85th, 90th minute, and then he books the keeper, the opposite, the away team's keeper, and it's like there's absolutely no point in doing it because it's not going to change anything. You know, It's too late to, to, it's too late to make any difference if you're going to book them at that late in the game. So that in itself, for me, just feels mental. And yeah, Tommy S is a bit unlucky because they all... Like, in the post-match stuff, they timed how long, because I think three players end up having the ball. I think Party has it first and he drops it. Havertz, Havertz picks it up, doesn't really do anything. Then Tommy Asu comes over. Tommy Asu comes over and he's actually very, very like quick in terms of yeah. like, making a decision on what he wants to do and then taking the throw in. And it's while he takes the throw in that the referee blows up and gives him a yellow. So I just feel like the referee was, yeah, and, and the crowd, again, the crowd probably contributed there's no way that that yellow card happens if we're 1-0 up at the Emirates and we take 20, 25 seconds to take a throw. That's not, Tommy Asu's not getting a yellow card for time-wasting. I know it's different because it's an away game, but I think the crowd had had an uh, impact on that. I think with the second yellow, like everything you just said, Raj, is, is completely valid. But like, regardless of whether he's like through on goal or not, he's like, it's definitely, it's obviously not a yellow card. There's, he's barely touched him or grabbed him, whatever, but he's obviously given it because 
he's he's seen his hand movement towards Ayu's shirt and he thinks he's pulled him back. But, but this is this is the like I think Aaron and we were talking about this on WhatsApp. Like this is the ridiculous thing is that they can't review second yellow cards. They can't review yellow cards. So if he'd have, if that if they could have reviewed that or had another look at it, they probably would have overturned it if that rule existed or that the ability to do that was there. So that's probably the like, yeah the frustrating thing. Like kind of can see why the refs given it but like in the speed of the game and everything but um yeah not i mean to be honest for me neither of them are yellow cards and the frustrating thing is now we don't have him for another game for the next game and we can't do anything about it yeah i think man the first one is like i I am a bit annoyed by the ref on the first one but i'm more annoyed by us because like we were slowing the game down, right? It went back to Ramsdale. Like, I think the referee, Ramsdale had a goal kick and he was just messing about with it. Not, I don't think it was time-wasting. He was slowing the game down, right? And the referee just got really agitated and he just got really emotional and annoyed. And then it went out for a throw and then Habits was time where it's like slowing it down, like he said, Partey. And then, yeah, Tommy, he literally ran over to take the throw. Like, he wasn't walking, he ran. And then he took it and he was like, just, he couldn't find a man because there was no one to pass to because Habits hadn't got into a decent position. And then, yeah, he booked him. And I like, I don't know what the rule is with that, right? Like, if a team keeps passing it along, like, who do you book? Like, if he had yeah. booked Habits, like, if he had yeah. booked Habits, that's probably a bit fairer. But it, what annoys me is it's one of those things that um, they will do, but they'll never do it again. A bit like that, um, that Martinelli double yellow card thing. Yeah. It's like, they'll do that. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, it's technically in the rules. Yeah, of course it's in the rules, but you'll never do it ever again, right? You'll do it once and you'll be like, yeah, we're going to time waste. That 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 player's had it for seven seconds. We're going to book him and we're never going to do it again. And and if, and if that's it's the consistency that annoys me. Um, like someone else will do that or someone else will time waste for far, far longer and they they won't do anything about it. And then, yeah, on consistency, like Russ says, like Ayu, like Ayu was on a yellow card, um, com- committed a foul closer to the I- box, closer to the box, <laughs> yeah, closer to the box, technically. And, uh, in my opinion, a much more clear cut foul, yeah. Okay? And and he doesn't do anything, he doesn't even consider it, right? Um, and then Tomiyasu does it, and and he's like, yeah, yellow card done. I think you said this, Mice, like a sensible referee. Just goes to Tommy Aston and says, look, that was a bit risky. You took a risk there. Don't take it again. Otherwise, you do it again, I'm going to send you off. Yeah. And we move on. And it was one of those where, like, I think even the Palace fans were probably surprised he got a booking there. Um, like, they were just like, oh, it's a red card. They didn't, like, no one was expecting it. No one was asking for it. Um, I think the ref was just still emotional from all that time-wasting nonsense that happened probably, like, 10 minutes before. Um and and yeah, he just goes and makes a very emotional, unnecessary, inconsistent decision. Um, so it's it's just it's one of those that could have really frustrated us. It didn't cost us, thankfully. Um, I you know I I did think I'm quite glad because I thought he would definitely give a penalty towards the end to Palace on that foul, uh, what we thought was a foul, but he didn't. Thankfully, he got that decision right. Um, so he wasn't all bad, and but yeah, it's just the, it's the consistency. The IU one was the yeah, one that really annoyed me. 
Agree. And all the comments are, you know, are are passionate about the things that, you know, we've just been saying here. There's no accountability for the PGML. There's no consistency. These are all true points. Um, but you know what? We got away with and we we, we came away with a win. Um, yes, you know, there is a point um, like Gary's making here about, um, you know, not killing off the game. But, you know, there's not many teams that win away at Selhurst Park at all. It's rare. Even City last season towards the back end, they scraped a win with a penalty. It's a tough place to go. Um, and we've got the win. And so let's talk about Fulham. Um, another home game. It feels like there's... Uh, I don't know why the fixture list have work, worked out this way because we've got, you know, in our first four games, we're having three three at home, um, which I don't know why. It just feels, feels like quite a lot. Um, but um, but that that's all good. Um, Fulham should be interesting on paper, given where they finished last season. It's potentially tricky. It was a game where, again, we had a bit of a, you know, it was like, I think we went a goal down and it was a comeback story. It's an interesting time to play Fulham, though, because they've just uh, they've just sold Mitrovic. They've also, I think, picked up a uh, suspension because they had someone sent off on the weekend. Um, is it Mead? Is that his name? One of their new centre-backs, I want to say. Um, I will just check that now. But anyway, um, Tim, you know, Tim Ream, I think. Reem, that's his name. Well done. Um, so, uh, you know, half decent time to play him. Um, they have uh, won one, lost one. So, Mize, what do you think? Uh, do we have concerns over Fulham or do we think they should be quite academic? I don't think we can say academic for any game, mate, to be honest. Like, is there any Premier League game? especially this early on in the season, you can say is, is academic. I don't think so. So definitely not academic. I think expectation is obviously we should we should win. Um, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And I think, you know, like we sort of touched on before, we're not, we're not firing on all cylinders yet, right? We're sort of easing into the season a little bit. New signings are, I guess you could say, bedding in, whatever, trying to work out what the right system is or what systems we're going to go with for the majority of the season question marks over some of the players that are starting and not starting so there's still like things that we're trying to work out i guess is what i'm trying to say um and i think on that basis i don't think you could just presume that you know we're going to go and tank them although i think my prediction suggests different um <laughs> but yeah like, like fulham got smashed by by um brentford last weekend didn't they and i know like you said they had a red card I think midway through the game, so it probably contributed to them losing 3-0. But look, I'm expecting us to win. I think the more interesting thing or the most interesting thing is going to be yeah, some of the stuff that we talked about, right? Like we've now got another suspension to another kind of player absence absence to to contend with in Tomiyasu, along with Timber. So does that mean Gabriel potentially comes back into the team? Because he's not started the first couple of games, Zinchenko's now back and hopefully fit. Does he come back in? What does that mean for Thomas Partey? What does that mean for Kai Havertz, for example, if Partey comes into midfield or does Partey not start? You know, so many does Ben White go back to right back? There's so many kind of questions still around um how we're gonna how we're gonna approach the game and how we're gonna start. But I think so that that's gonna be really interesting for me. I think the other thing is the last two games, we've kind of had to hold on a little bit, especially Palace, but even Forest, like they got a, we're two up, they got a goal. Obviously, they didn't really threaten that much after that, but at the same time, it wasn't like a comfortable win. And I think Arteta is probably going to be looking at this fixture, you know, a home game um, against, like I said, opposition that we should be beating. And I think he's probably, I think the message needs to be, 
we need to be more clinical. We need to get the first goal and then get the second goal and then manage the game. And then, you know, you try and get the third and the fourth. And obviously that, that's easier said than done. But I feel like performance and results going to be important on Saturday. Um, and again, one one other thing we were talking about earlier was the, the front three or front four haven't really clicked yet, especially Saka and Martinelli. And I think that's going to be, again, it feels like an ideal game for, for that to happen on Saturday. So, yeah, really, really interesting kind of decisions to be made. I, I'm really keen to see, I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'd like to see Ben White back at right back. Um, I think Aaron and you were saying it earlier as well. Like Saka, Saka, we know now, right? Opposition teams will will target Saka in terms of doubling up on him, sometimes tripling up on him. Uh, and it makes it really difficult for him to affect the game. And I think the fact that he now also doesn't have Ben White down that side as an overlapping fullback or overlapping defender. Um, like last season, that kind of link up between the two of them and Erdegaard on that right-hand side was just really, really good. And I think one of the reasons Saka was so good was because White kind of unlocked him, if you know what I mean. It allowed him to go and do his thing. Um, and I think you can see now with Partey, I know Partey's not playing down the right, but you don't have a you don't have a player offering that outlet, offering those runs, taking away a defender in Ben White. Um, it's meant that Saka's maybe not been as effective. So I'm quite keen to see the back four that we played last season, Ben White on the right. Um, and, and hopefully that means, like I said, that the attack might be able to click a bit more. So yeah, that's, like I said, there's so many decisions to be made, mate. Like Trossard, does he come in? Um, if yeah. so, who for? Does Eddie still play again? You know, like loads of, loads of big decisions. I think we might see a couple of changes from from uh, Palace and, and uh, Forest. So yeah, squad selection, uh, team selection is going to be really interesting, I think. Yeah, Aaron, do you share uh, Gary's bullish mentality on this? You know, he Gary saying, what part of Fulham side should threaten us? If we're clinical, we should be able to control this game with goals this time. L-O-L. He's right, right, in theory. Um, I mean, I'll ask you, what, what do you, your expert analysis on Fulham, what do you... What what part of Fulham should should threaten us? The, the easy if Mitrovic was around, he's the easy easy go to, right? Um, but they don't have Mitrovic. What are you concerned about, Andreas Pereira? Are you concerned about? Uh, yeah, are, are no, we I'm not. About Raul Jimenez? What? what, it, what not it? not really. This is a game we should win comfortably. I I actually think we're, we'll rotate. It's a game we should rotate in, to be honest, because uh, I can't remember someone said it in the comments earlier on, which is that we're going to have 38 games in the league plus hopefully 10, 15 games in the Champions League this season. Um, we can't play our first 11 every single game, right? So the games you rotate in are when you play Fulham at home, right? These are the games that you want to give, like the Trossards, I'd say the Inketias, but Eddie is probably like the first choice right now. Um, you know, you, you kind of just want to rotate a bit more. I wouldn't even be surprised if Jorginho plays on on uh, Saturday, Saturday, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, I think, I think we'll see a rotated team, but I think we'll probably win. Very good. Should we get a predictions for the game? Mize, you, you want to talk us through? Or Mize or Aaron, and one of you? Yeah, I can do it. Um, so cool. this is, this is okay. a prediction game again. This is our prediction game where we try and put one pound bet every week on the correct score and then we at the end of the season we see who ends up with the most money so last week i don't believe any of us got it right 
Um, no, this is the current standings. Yeah. So Nero is up because he got the forest prediction right, and the three of us are all down because we've got zero out of two so far. So predictions for this week. So let's say, let's go and maybe we'll get you guys to talk you through it. So Raj has gone for a 4 1 win. I don't actually think it's going to be 4 1. But I just, <laughs> I mean, but... it's just not sure you understand how the prediction game works, mate. No, but there's no incentive. What? Like, there's no, like, there so is, mate. So... It's like 50 games to predict. Like, yeah. you... Or whatever, even if you just do the league games, you've got like a thir- 36 more games to claw it back. It's like, <laughs> to be clear, you yeah, but you to... need to come first, but you need to come first. Yeah, but in our game, yeah. if you, if you so get, if you're not first, yeah. like, then you don't, you don't, you don't win anything. Hang on, hang on. So, what is the logic here? You're, you're so putting money on an outcome that... that you don't think is going to happen. It's not that I don't think it's going, it's not like I'm putting an outcome on a seven nil or something like this, right? So, well, it's hang, more hang like on. Your, I, la- I... your last prediction at, for Palace was a 50 to yeah. one shot, mate. Four, yeah, but four two wasn't like it's not that like that crazy. <laughs> anyway, one though, so. <laughs> part, part, part of the reason is because I was like two one, which I actually think is what the score is going to be. Two one was something like like nine to one or something like this. Like so, it wasn't. It's not. It just wasn't worth it. It's but not that worth put the you Joint top. <laughs> oh no, maybe not joint top, but it would have put you second place. Yeah, but it's. You know, four one is still a you know it's still, still a possibility, and you you get a couple of these ones right, and then you can really get your buffer up. But there's no there's no advantage for me to. Okay, uh, so you're saying you know, some. You so for for betting purposes, for betting purposes, I'm going with four one, which I don't think is a completely unrealistic. So my my thought process there is, I think we'll concede because we always concede at home, so we need to get that monkey off our back. And and I really like the fact that you know because of the quality that we have on the bench. Um, I think I agree with you guys. I think we will rotate a bit, but I don't think it's like back in the day where you know we rotate a little bit and then suddenly you get the second string and the second string are just remarkably like you know worse than the first string. I think you've got no second string now. You've just got a bunch of players who are going right now. I've got my opportunity. Like I'm going to stay in this team, and um, and so I think that you know with that motivation it could happen. And yeah, I, don't, I just don't think Fulham have enough. I don't think Fulham will have enough to to deal with us. I'm not worried about Raul Jimenez. Um, I, yeah, I'm not really worried about them. Uh, I think defensively we've we, we are we are we are pretty good. Yes, we may concede, but you know overall I think we'll we'll be okay. And yeah, so that's what I'm going with four one. Mice. Yeah, three nil. Um, kind of what I said earlier. Really, I think that approach needs to be um, getting early goals. And kind of then just seeing out the game, managing the game. Um, I still rate Fulham as op- as decent opposition. Like I was saying before, I, I feel like they're not like a Sheffield United or a Luton. They're established Premier League team now. so And they've got some players that might cause us problems. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen on Saturday, but they're a decent team, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I don't think it's going to be a complete cakewalk. Um, yeah, so I'm going, th- I'm going 3-0. I'm also going to put, I'm not putting money on it, but I think Havertz, Havertz will score. And then we can sing that song. So that'll be good. Yeah. I see. I fancy habits as well. So I've gone. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Just seen DWTT said the same. Yeah, Gary's saying three 0 with Martinez and Trossard, and he's saying maybe habits. But um, Aaron, and you've gone two yeah. 0 which is what Russ says as well. Yeah, I think I think two nil. Um, I kind of flipped between the game two nil or five nil, and I thought like we our attack hasn't really been firing yet. Maybe this one will just we might rotate a bit because uh, it's Man United in a week as well. So maybe we want to. Just make sure everyone's a bit fresh 
for that. So, um, yeah, 2-0. I just really want us to keep that clean sheet at home. Like you said, Raj, we haven't really been doing that so much recently, and especially last season as well. So uh, I think we just need to get into a habit of building some clean sheets, making sure our defence is solid, and then just, you know, going. Because our attack will, will be fine this year. Um, we just need to stop conceding so many. Um, and then Nero has gone optimistically 4-0 um, at 11-1. to But you see how this is, this is the thing, right? These odds bother me. Because I looked at 4-0 first. I know I don't want to do Maybe I'm getting too excited about this. But I look at 4-0 <laughs> first, first as well. 4-0 is 11-1. to 1. 4-1 is 16-1. to 1. That's a big difference. Yeah, because you like, need why, full why of just is, four. Yeah, exactly. Why, why is that more unrealistic considering how much we concede at home? Because they've got bloody Raul Jimenez up front. And... We, you, we concede goals against everyone last That's season. True. We can, that is true. Like... Fine, yeah. But then say. you're also relying on us to score four as well. Yeah, but bro, that's what I'm saying. The difference between the four nil is eleven to one, four one is sixteen to one. I that for me, I couldn't reconcile. But you know, anyway, anyway, anyway. Enough of that. Um, yeah. Well, we look. We all think we're going to win. That's yeah, nice. Exactly. Oh, it'd be terrible if we don't win. Absolutely. Be, yeah, we'll ridiculous. we'll be like other teams, like Man United, who haven't won all their games, um, <laughs> or Chelsea, who haven't won all their games. Um, we we have talked for a while, so perhaps we can't really deep dive on any of those other teams um it's a long season there's no point us kind of reading too much into anything you know whether it's the fact that we've won two games in a row um or if it's you know about the fluency of our team um but equally probably shouldn't read too much on how other teams are doing but is there anything any of you guys want to say about what you've seen of the other teams over the last two weeks Mm. I think my concern is Man City already worry me. Um, I think against Newcastle, a bit like their defence looks very good. Yeah. What what worries you? Because obviously you predicted us to win the league. What worries you more now compared to two weeks ago? I think them? they are a bit more... I mean, they were always defensively resilient, but I just feel like they look a lot stronger defensively than I anticipated them to be. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. They, something about them worries me. I think, you know, if Foden, let's see who they've, they've been linked with some interesting players over the last couple of days. So let's see who they sign. Um, I just, yeah. Maybe, I mean, look over and above last season, is there anything dramatic? No, but I just think they've got this, They've got more like bite about them than I expected. I kind of expected their um their desire to just drop slightly after winning the treble. Um, look, I know it's only two days, two games, sorry. Um, but yeah, Man City just looked very, very strong. I mean, I wasn't expecting anything dramatically different, but I'm just more annoyed than anything. I, I, kind of hope, yeah. I think the desire point's interesting because I, I think you know, obviously we did the preview a couple of weeks ago. I I think I think I said this in the, in that episode. Like with Pep there, as long as Pep's there, I just can't see him ever accepting a lower standard than the standard that they've been at, pretty much. And yeah, that's why that's why I put them to win the league because I just think he's just gonna, yeah, standards wise, he, he's, he's never gonna allow it to drop. So yeah, 
And he's good at changing it up, isn't he? Like every season to almost give them something new to think about and whatever. And there's lots of talk about how, the way people have analysed City over the last two weeks doing things really different to even how they were doing things last season. Um, going long more, you know, um, just kind of even appearing in some ways to be just more kind of defensively robust. People are sort of almost talking about it being a throwback to old British kind of four four two George Grahamy sort of structures. Um, it's Pep, man. He's like the most versatile thing in the world. I guess you can when you've got um, all the ingredients in the world, but he's still a genius, right? Like, so yeah, to completely agree with both of your sort of hy- hypotheses around how things could go could be concerning i was going to ask you guys about um just while we're talking about other teams like the lot of a big deal has been made about um well both games actually you you touched you said it earlier raj like united chelsea but the united spurs game and the chelsea west ham game but it's funny it's funny how a result changes what the perception of like what actually happened during the game like everyone's now raving about postacoglu and like Basuma, for example, and Spurs' new defense and new keeper and stuff. But I didn't think they played. I don't know if you guys watched the game, but I didn't think they played that well. I think if United. Yeah, Man United could, should win that game. Yeah, the first half. Like they had two, three clear cut chances. They probably should have had a penalty as well. Debatable. Like, and, but obviously, yeah, I mean, Spurs got the job done and fair enough. Like, fair play to them. But I don't think that. That doesn't. I don't think that tells us much about how successful they're going to be this season. But the reaction to it, maybe because it's Man United, I don't know. But the reaction to it has been a bit OTT. It feels like to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think there. I think I watched that game and I was just like, these two teams don't worry me or scare me that much. Um, and I would be like going looking at our team. And we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks because we're playing them both in September, or at least in the next couple of weeks anyway. Um, the I'd be very disappointed if we drop points looking at our team now and looking at their teams as it stands now. Of course, they could bring in signings. I know Man United have got um, Hoyland to come in and and like, there are a few injuries floating about for them and stuff. But um, no, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think I didn't see that as like some immense tactical like masterclass. I think Spurs took their chances. Man United didn't. Yeah, Man, and Man United had level, twenty twenty two shots. Man United had. Wow. Yeah, it's just at this level, like you you switch off and you don't take your chances and you're not clinical in the box, then you can't do anything. You can't you can't win games and you you suffer. And that's what Man United do. They just don't. They're not clinical. They're sloppy. Uh, they've got good players, but just in in moments they just they fade away there's no plan i can't couldn't work out watching them what what they're trying to do um rashford through the middle just doesn't work anthony just looks awful is probably the right word like so many just feels like they've got so many more problems now to deal with than they had last season weirdly um yeah but i'm sure that when they come to the emirates it will probably still be a very like difficult game in the sense I'll probably just be well up for it maybe that's, that's the thing, thing in it yeah always I really really want us to win at Old Trafford this season though do you know what I mean like yeah. that's just it's such an annoying ground for us to go to and yeah Did you know watching... last season no no we lost. we lost that was the that we got screwed 
Yeah, we got we got screwed because oh, remember yeah. we should have we had a completely legitimate goal disallowed. Oh, and Mart- the Martinelli got yeah, brilliant. Martinelli score, but Erdegaard, yeah. 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 Anyway. 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 Um, fantastic, boys. Listen. Like, look forward to it. Look forward to hanging out and going to the game on Saturday. It's a rare Arsenal three PM kickoff. Uh, but and the game should be actually livelier than our last home game, given it was a you know twelve thirty kickoff, which then became a one o'clock kickoff, and everyone was just frustrated that they couldn't get in the stadium. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Looking forward to it. Like, look, uh, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in, Gary Russ brilliant look it felt like a five-man podcast today um because of the interactions that you two gave so i really really appreciate both of you um we would give you royalties as a result but we don't make any money so we can't <laughs> um, so sorry sorry about that um so anyway uh appreciate it guys and yeah mys aaron and we'll talk to you later everyone thank you please like share subscribe all those stuff thank you very much appreciate it good night cheers bye guys bye bye